Hello, hello, everyone. Amanda Grace here. And look who's with me on his perch. Chet is with me. Grace is actually over there on top of her cage right now. So you may see her as well, but they are out and about for this broadcast. Welcome to everyone watching in the United States and around the world. And Welcome to our moderators and our Ark of Grace team. Thank you for helping us do what we do for the Lord. We have a two-part series, and we're going to do part one this broadcast, and then we're going to go into part two. But this is something that for weeks the Lord wanted me to talk about. And of all days, oh, first of all, I have to say to our Jewish brothers and sisters out there, Hag Sameach Shavot, to our Jewish brothers and sisters out there. Jonah showed up with a cheesecake from Rabbi Bornstein yesterday. He called me and he asked if he could bring a cheesecake over that Rabbi Bornstein had for us. And so we are very grateful for that. But when Jonah shows up, I've realized that when the Lord has me doing certain things, Jonah doesn't know. And he just happens to call as the Holy Spirit leads him and he shows up. And so that was my confirmation also of what we're about to talk about. This is going to get deep and this is going to get heavy. I'm just going to warn everybody, but we are going to open up in prayer. We're going to give it over to the Lord and then we're going to get into part one of today. I'll tell you what it's about after we open up in prayer. So Father God, in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, we come before you, Lord. We praise you that you are almighty God. You are high and lifted up far above every power, principality, and might. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise due your name. Father, we humble ourselves before you this day, asking that the pull of the flesh becomes less in our lives, so you, your will, and your power become more in our lives. We acknowledge you sent your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, to the earth, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Passover lamb, the sacrifice for our sins. He died at Calvary. He willingly purchased us by the shedding of his blood. And when that blood dripped onto the mercy seat, we were purchased back to our father in heaven. We were redeemed when Jesus Christ said, it is finished. Lord, we praise you that he rose again in three days. And after appearing to many, ascended back into heaven, took his rightful victorious place at the right hand of the father, where he rules and reigns forevermore, Father God. And we honor that before you this day. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we invite your presence and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, to fill this place, Lord, that your presence, Lord, the presence of Ruach Elohim, the spirit of the living God, would just fall, would saturate the atmosphere, that the power of your presence would move and go before us today, Lord, that you would lead and guide me in all wisdom, counsel my power and the reverential fear of the Lord. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, by the spirit of the one true living God, may only the truth and power of almighty God with authority, Lord, now come forth in Jesus' name. Father, every plot scheme, contract, assignment of the enemy to interfere, Father God, today to, to, to attack in any way, shape, or form, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Let their communications, Father God, be scrambled and confused, Father God, that they cannot communicate with each other. Let every plot scheme, contract, assignment be dismantled, destroyed, bound up and prevented from continuing and cast back to the dry places and pits from which it came from to be bound there in the name of Jesus Christ and not return nor have anything sent in this place. Lord, take all the glory for yourself. You are the potter. We are merely the clay. You are the author and finisher of our faith, Father God. You deserve all the glory, honor, and praise in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua. Amen and amen. Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So 
What are we talking about today? We are going to talk about the Weimar Republic in Germany, the United States, how these two are linked, how these two are linked for this time, how the trans movement is involved in this and have subverted itself into this um, to try to, to attempt to become a forerunner in this, how the Weimar Republic fell to the Third Reich. This is an urgent prophetic warning and breakdown. We are at the fork in the road. We are at the precipice. This doesn't have to happen in our nation. And the Lord is pointing all of this out now and preparing us. So when we're given the instruction on how to, in what ways to pray, because the Lord will give us instruction in what ways to pray and what parts of the enemy's attack to command to be dismantled and destroyed, we are ready for that because the word of God says it is the knowledge of the truth that will set you free and that we should not be ignorant of the enemy's devices, Paul says. And so this is what we're doing today. So I'm going to start with something and where we're going to begin. And like I said, this is part one is we're going to start with an excerpt from George Washington's farewell address when he served his term as president and he was stepping down and he gave this incredibly prophetic farewell address. And I'm going to read to you a portion of this and then we're going to jump into the rest of this. So this is what it says. The unity of government, which constitutes you one people, is also now dear to you. It is justly so, for it is a main pillar in the edifice of your real independence the support of your tranquility at home, your peace abroad, of your safety, of your prosperity, of that very liberty which you so highly prize. But as it is easy to foresee that from different causes and from different quarters, much pains will be taken, many artifices employed to weaken in your minds the conviction of this truth. As this is the point in your political fortress against which the batteries of internal and external enemies will be most constantly and actively directed. It is of infinite moment that you should properly estimate the immense value of your national union to your collective and individual happiness, that you should cherish a cordial, habitual, and immovable attachment to it, accustoming yourselves to think and speak of it as of the palladium of your political safety and prosperity, watching for its preservation with jealous anxiety, discountenancing whatever may suggest even a suspicion that it can in any event be abandoned, and indignantly frowning upon the first dawning of every attempt to alienate any portion of our country from the rest or to enfeeble the sacred ties which now link together the various parts. For this you have every inducement of sympathy and interest. Citizens by birth or choice of a common country, that country has a right to concentrate your affections. The name of American, which belongs to you in your national capacity, must always exalt the just pride of patriotism more than any appellation derived from local discriminations with slight shades of difference. You have the same religion, 
manners, habits, and political principles. You have in, in a common cause fought and triumphed together. The independence and liberty you possess are the work of joint councils and joint efforts of common dangers, sufferings, and successes. But these considerations, however powerfully they address themselves to your sensibility, are greatly outweighed by those which apply more immediately to your interest. Here, every portion of our country finds the most commanding motives for carefully guarding and, and preserving the union of the whole. The North, in an unrestrained intercourse with the South, protected by the equal laws of a common government, finds in the productions of the latter great additional resources of maritime and commercial enterprise and precious materials of manufacturing industry. The South, in the same intercourse, benefiting by the agency of the North, sees its agricultural grow and its commerce expand, turning partly into its own channels, the seamen of the North, it finds its particular navigation invigorated. And while it contributes in different ways to nourish and increase the general mass of the national navigation, it looks forward to the protection of a maritime strength to which itself is unequally adapted. And he goes on to talk about the East and the West and how all these parts fit together and how we have been given a chance at liberty, which is really freedom with responsibility. And we have been given a very crucial task of protecting that liberty and protecting that republic. And in his powerful valedictory address, Washington called for national unity and focused on threats at home and abroad. At home, Washington feared the rise of political factions. Abroad, he warned of the dangers of foreign entanglements, meaning getting yourself too involved with foreign nations. For Washington, both foreign influence and newly emerging political parties threatened liberty and undermine the promise of Republican government. For the American Republic to survive, the American people and their elected leaders had to commit to lives of civic Republican virtue, valuing reason over passion and the public good over private self-interest. And Washington is filled with self-interest. It is filled with self-interest groups. It is filled with lobbyists. It is filled with every a uh, little group and faction trying to trying to exert their interest over the republic now washington foresaw this when he left office he warned of this before he left office and over time we have seen the rulers of the darkness of this world begin to chip away and try to steer america into a point of total destruction. Now, how does the Weimar Republic tie into this? The Weimar Republic was a, was a part of Germany. And this is what, I, the Weimar Republic basically too was formed after World War I, I believe, occurred. It was before the rise of Hitler that the Weimar Republic was formed. And this is what it says. Um, the Weimar Republic, after the violence had quelled and after these things had happened after World War I, um, 
They worked from February to July of 1919, crafting a new constitution, which became law on August 11th. The drafters of this new constitution faced the difficult task of creating a government acceptable to both the political left and right. Without being too radical, they compromised to satisfy both groups. The basic format of the government was based around a president, a chancellor, and a parliament or Reichstag. The president was elected by popular vote to a seven-year term and held real political power, controlling the military and having the ability to call for new Reichstag elections. In a nod to conservatives afraid of too much democracy, the framers also added elements such as Article 48, which allowed the president to assume emergency powers, suspend civil rights, and operate without the consent of the Reichstag for a limited period of time. So this was built a lot like our Constitution, okay? There is there is great similarities between the constitution of the Weimar Republic and the United States of America. Uh, the chancellor appointed the cabinet members and oversaw day-to-day operations. And the chancellor usually came from the majority party in the Reichstag is what happened. So you had the social democratic party who won in 1920, and they won with 21.7% uh, of the vote of the 459 seats available. So whoever won the greatest percentage had, in a way, the most influence, and the chancellor had to be elected, I believe, from that. This system ensured that Germans had a voice in government that they had never had before, but it also allowed for a massive proliferation of parties that could make it difficult to gain a majority or form a governing coalition. For example, the Bavarian Peasants League, they got, it says 0.8% of the vote and gained four seats. So they had some say uh, within all of those 459 seats available. Proportional representation later allowed more extremist parties, such as the Nazi party, to gain influence. I'm giving you background here for a reason. So this is where it's going to start to get interesting with the Weimar Republic, because you're going to start to see daunting similarities between the United States and where we are at and what happened with Weimar. However, the Weimar Republic faced more immediate problems in early 1920 when a group of right-wing paramilitaries seized power in what became known as the Cap Putsch. When Ebert sought the promised help of the army in maintaining control, he was told that the army does not fire on other army units. The military therefore made it clear that they were happy to fight the left, but would not take arms against the right wing which is interesting. So they had these things kind of begin to go on in the Weimar Republic. Um, the political violence tend to, uh, tend to peak in 1923 with Hitler's attempted coup, which we'll get into. However, the challenges that they face now, the leaders of the Weimar Republic and the Reichstag and the chancellor, um, there were a lot of challenges of an economic variety, particularly the burden placed upon them by the outgoing leadership of the Kaiser and the generals. Um, you had the cost of World War I itself because Germany was blamed and had to, to pay reparations. You had the Versailles Treaty um, that the Allies charged the Germans with paying staggering reparations for the cost of World War I. Um, 
and while simultaneously occupying some of the most productive regions of Western Germany. So they lost about 13% of their territories, Germany, including areas accounting for 16% of coal and 48% of iron production was taken away from them. So these high reparations had a devastating consequence on the cost of living. And by uh, November of 1923, um, it took 4,200,000,000 marks to equal $1. 4,200,000,000. This is hyperinflation at its best, what happened here. So there was disastrous economic and social consequences, um, and many of the middle class found themselves destitute in the middle of this. Uh, Now, where it begins to really turn and look like what's happening in the United States is right here. So we see some of the issues that they suffered with inflation, with debt, with the debt ceiling getting higher, with all of these things going on as they've made this constitution that looks very similar to that of the United States of America. Now, what happened after this constitution was made in the Weimar Republic is Germany experienced its own roaring 20s until they were cut short by the Great Great Depression. Cities burgeoned with new arrivals from the countryside in search of jobs, setting the stage for vibrant urban life. So urban centers like Berlin became some of the most socially liberal places in Europe, much to the chagrin of conservative elites. Berlin had a thriving nightlife full of bars and cabarets. There were between 65 and 80 gay bars and 50 lesbian bars in the capital alone. Sexual liberation was a very real phenomenon, um, complete with this movement that was led by Dr. Magnus Hirschfeld, who was a German Jew. He was a German Jewish doctor who led this. Um, So beginning in the 19th century, Germany was closely associated with homosexuality. And what happens is they started to use the words, um, I'm going to spell it like Q-U-E-E-R. What happened too is you began to have a transgender movement that began to make a great push into the forefront of this. The Weimar Republic, the zenith of modernism, witnessed new social liberation and experimentation. They had films that they premiered having to do with this. They um, pushed for for these rights to come to the forefront. Um, Also, alongside reinventing traditional forms of artistic expression, Germans began interrogating gender roles. Interrogating gender roles, calling them into question and interrogating sexual identities. This is this is where the Weimar Republic paves the way for the Third Reich. So they begin to interrogate gender roles and sexual identities. Now, but, uh, and there is a historian called Clayton, his name is Clayton Wisnant, and his observation was perhaps more than anywhere else, Weimar Germany became associated with experimentation in sexuality. 
And Berlin was the undisputed capital of Europe for this. And you know, by 1900 alone, over 50,000 um, people that identified as LBGT, whatever other letter they want to use, they lived there and countless more visited. And so by 1923, it was pegged with hundreds of bars um, and, and tons of nightlife for this is what happened. Now, they they didn't censor them either. So it says associations offered opportunities for socializing and political organization. So this kind of atmosphere allowed opportunities for socializing and political organization. Uh, crucially relaxed uh, rules of censorship allowed for the publications of dozens of novels and periodicals and personal ads all having to do with this agenda. So this it, this all began to completely just flourish and grow like like weeds in the Weimar Republic. It began to grow like tares is what happened because the tares grow up with the wheat. So they had images everywhere in magazines of this. They had it right in the forefront. They have professional photographs out there. They had nightlife. They had raucous music. They had all of this. Once evening fell, all of this happened. All the night walkers came out. So they all hid during the day. And once evening fell, all of this area turned um, into a complete concentrated cooking pot of, of this agenda and this way of life. Uh, also, at the same time, was interesting, they said women's rights were increasing at the same time. Now, the Weimar Constitution extended the right to vote to all men and women over the age of 20 in 1919. German Jews as well experienced a period of increased social and economic freedom. So right before this happens too, what's happening at the same time is German Jews are experiencing more freedom the more that these other areas of the Weimar Republic are being built up. Now, remember, this was led uh, by a German Jew. So it was kind of, in a way, all connected. Culturally, culturally the period produced important and lasting results. The Republic created little. This is what a historian, his name is Peter Gay, wrote. The Republic created little. It liberated what was already there. Now, it created little and it liberated what was already there. Let's talk about that. You have the same spirit, the same ruler of the darkness that has been coming back from empire after empire for different areas of the world over a large span of time, pushing the same agenda. So let's talk about the influence of Ishtar in the Weimar Republic in the United States for a moment. Ishtar or Ashtoreth, as the Jews knew her, involved temple prostitution, men dressing up as women for ceremonies. So it involved those two things. Also, interestingly enough, Tammuz is thrown in there as being associated with this, with this particular false god. And in Ezekiel, he talks about seeing women weeping for Tammuz. 
They were just crying out before Tammuz and worshiping Tammuz because they were all connected together. Ashtoreth and Tammuz and Baal, and they were all connected together in the same circle for these pagan nations. Uh, and this is also, I'm going to go on about Ishtar. Corresponding to Ishtar's own ability to transcend categories, the goddess of love enabled her followers to defy or even redefine social boundaries. What did they say happened in the Weimar Republic? They interrogated gender roles, social boundaries. They, they interrogated it. Enable their followers to defy or even redefine social boundaries, particularly those related to gender roles. What did they do in the Weimar Republic? They interrogated gender roles. What did they do in the United States of America? They interrogated gender roles. What did they do at the Temple of Ishtar? They interrogated gender roles. They, they, they taught them to defy them. They taught them to call them into question. Men who became priests of Ishtar, known as Gala, would sometimes assume non-binary gender roles, dress in women's clothing, and were allowed to engage in homosexuality. So if we think this is new, this is the same spirit that is finding different areas to try to raise up in to promote its agenda. And this is one of the last things that happened in the Weimar Republic before it fell to the Third Reich. The United States of America is now fastly approaching that fork in the road where we're going to have to choose this day whom we will serve. Priests of Ishtar were known as Gala. What is the Met event called? Where everybody dresses up and many of them dress up in these androgynous outfits. What is the Met event every year called? A gala. It's called a gala. That is not coincidental. What do some men do with the Met Gala? They dress up like women. This is all connected. It is all through the same spirit that is finding different areas of the world to raise up the same agenda in and put it forth. Okay, let's go on. However, the global economic downturn created by the Great Depression in America had devastating repercussions for the Weimar Republic. As the panic hit Wall Street, the U.S. government pressed its former allies, Britain and France, to repay their war debts. Not having the money, Britain and France pressed Germany for more reparation payments, causing an economic depression. The German government faced the classic dilemma, cut government spending in an attempt to balance the budget or increase it in an attempt to jumpstart the economy. Heinrich Brüning, who became chancellor in 1930, chose the deeply unpopular option of an austerity program, which cut spending and those programs designed precisely to help those most in need. So when Germany, Germany's debt became so great and they were pressed to pay it, one of the first things they did is they cut all programs to help those that were most in need in Germany. That's what they did. That was one of the number one things they did. Economic hardship combined with a general distrust of the Weimar system to destabilize parliamentary politics, majorities and even coalitions in the Reichstag were difficult to form among an increasing 
large number of extremist parties. So what, what this was breeding was an extremist party to arise. This was the breeding ground for extremist parties. What has happened in Washington, D.C.? It was a breeding ground for an extremist party to arise that is literally trying to enslave America and cause it to forsake everything it was raised up to be. Because when you you lower the moral standard, when you take away moral boundaries, it becomes a breeding ground for an extremist group to arise and they will call you exactly what they are. So many times people that are conservatives are called extremists. The problem is they're being called the extremists by the people on the left that are a few fries short of a happy meal and have already gone off the cliff. They're so far extreme. And so this is what happens. It becomes a breeding ground for this. And what happened here is elections were held more and more frequently because nobody could get majority because you had more extremist groups and offshoots popping up in the Reichstag. One of the last things to go on in the Weimar Republic that spiritually weakened it and allowed the path for Hitler was this blatant push for an agenda that had to do with swapping, that had to do with calling into scrutiny gender roles, which had to do with transgenderism, which had to do with LBGTQ, which had to do with all of this. Why was that the last thing that weakened it? Because it weakened it spiritually. It weakened the family unit. The country's morals were put in the toilet and it opened the door spiritually for the entire nation to be ensnared and enslaved by a very high-ranking ruler of the darkness of this world. So by them giving that constitution and allowing so many freedoms for people to do whatever they wanted, what happened is the moral code was lowered more and more and more. And that was one of the last things that happened was this movement, was this agenda arose and spread like wildfire in the Weimar Republic. And it weakened it to a point, it helped weaken it, that it paved the way for the rise of the Nazi party. It paved the way for it. There was no, there was no spirit, there was not enough spiritual standing in Germany to stand against it. There wasn't enough order. There wasn't enough of a foundation in Germany left to withstand it. And so let's go on about what happened. Interestingly enough, I will say this too. The police tolerated all of it in Germany. So all of the bars and all of the agenda, what did the police do? They stood by and they tolerated it. They did nothing to stop it. They allowed it to go on. I guess they were given orders to allow it to go on, which is interesting. And they kind of looked the other way. So who was supposed to uphold the law kind of helped the people do what thou wilt because it's the whole of the law. Lester Crowley, who is one of the most wicked men who ever lived, he said, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. Do whatever you want. And that's the law. And that's kind of what they were doing in Germany at the time. What they're doing in the United States of America. Do whatever you want and that's the law. Do what thou wilt. And that's the law. That 
is the law the enemy wants you to live by because it takes you away from the law of God. It takes you away from relationship with God and it totally pulls you into the things of the flesh and it pulls you into the order of the demonic where they have very well mobilized to continue these interests. Make no mistake about it. The demonic is incredibly mobilized. The kingdom of darkness is, is orderly in its hierarchy. They like to cause chaos in other people's lives, but they are highly mobilized and they are very orderly. And this is where the United States of America, especially the church, has to understand. God is a God of law and order. We should even be more mobilized, more in order, more focused on the mission that God has given us because they sure are. Because they have done this over and over again. Over spans of thousands of years, they've done this. The same ruler of the darkness of this world started back in the Assyrian Empire, which we'll get to. Started back with the Assyrians. Started back with Mesopotamia. And over periods of time, worked its way back in to different civilizations. I'll show you something else. Biblically, where this where this shows up again, where this same spirit, having to do with this prostitution and these other things of a sexual nature shows up again. It flourished in the Philistine towns who worshiped Dagon. So Dagon is another player. I call this the rise of the Dagon faction in the United States of America, because that ruler of the darkness and that false God, half man, half fish, highly seducing and destructive spirit, was documented, um, I believe it was in the book of Judges. It's also documented, Dagon himself is documented when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant and placed it before Dagon. I think that is First Kings. If it's not First Kings, it's Second Kings. But Judges 16, verses 1 through 3. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When it was told to the Gazites, saying, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept silent all night, saying, Let us wait until the morning light when we will kill him. Now Samson lay until midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the city gate and the two posts, pulled them up along with the bars. Then he put them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the mountain, which is opposite Hebron. So we see again where there is pagan worship, where you see Ishtar, where you see Dagon, you see prostitution, you see the scrutiny of gender roles, you see these agendas pop up. In places where there is much freedom and with little moral boundaries and much idolatry with an emphasis on religion, not on a relationship with the Lord, prostitution and perversion flourishes because it is utilized in the realm of the spirit to create soul ties and put people in bondage to highly destructive, seducing spirits. And those people in bondage then do their bidding. They can go on and on and say, oh, no, they don't really exist. Satan doesn't exist. That's exactly what he wants you to think. Well, he's got you tied every which way to Sunday to do his bidding. Ephesians chapter four, verse seven, uh, verse 17 through 19. 
So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So what is at the root of this? What was at the root of this with the Weimar Republic, with the United States of America? It's greediness is I want what my flesh wants and I don't care what I have to do to get it. And it becomes where we are not going to listen to God. We are not going to listen to any authority. We're going to give ourselves over to this, but they're giving our, themselves over to these rulers of the darkness that will allure them, enslave them, use them, and then destroy them. So Germany, now this is interesting too, because it was a German Jew who was at the epicenter of this entire movement in Germany at the, of when it came to the Weimar Republic. It was a German Jew that at, was at the center of that. He was a doctor. And they had forsaken, meaning this German Jew and those who were with him had forsaken the law of God and gone in the way of Baal and, and the Ashtoreths or the Ishtars, which assisted to open the gate for one to arise and per, oppress and persecute them in horrific ways. We have seen a rise of this in the nation that is being rushed at a feverish pace right now. This is being rushed at a feverish pace. And we're going to get into why this is Egypt 2.0. But this is like Egypt 2.0, where the, a new pharaoh arises who didn't know Joseph. And the Jews that had gone into Egypt were using Egyptian practices with practices of Almighty God that God had given them. And they were mixing these and opened the door for what? Enslavement. It was the same here. They were mixing things in the Weimar Republic, the, the ways of the Baals and the Ishtars with the ways of God. And it opened the door once again for this horrific, horrific, horrible event to occur. Now, I'm going to show you something because we've got this, I mean, we've got this going on all over in this nation, but I'm going to show you how they are making a full court press right now and a blitz for this. They're, they're trying to do exactly what they did in the Weimar Republic. Target, of all places, has joined ranks now with this brand of clothing to be more uh, uh, of the kingdom of darkness, we'll say, uh, to create a pride collection. Name of the brand is alleged. I'm going to say the word allegedly, Ab Pralin. And it's, um, it is known for selling merchandise that has much images of the kingdom of darkness on it. Uh, some of it even glorifies violence to create products for its pride collection. Um, at one point, they sold, uh, Target sold three of these items, a messenger bag saying, we belong everywhere. Um and it had apparently a trans flag and planets on it, a tote 
um, that had another another message on it that I'm not even going to say uh, beneath the UFO and a cure transphobia, not trans people sweatshirt. However, the sweatshirt remains for sale, but there's an issue with this sweatshirt. This sweatshirt has an image, a variation of the caduceus symbol on it. So there's the sweatshirt. Isn't it interesting they chose the target of all places, the word target? What is a target? It's something you want to what? Hit. It's something a marksman wants to hit. It's something you aim for. And they've done this with target. Now, this caduceus symbol, because this is a variation of the caduceus, the caduceus, because the regular snake on the pole without the wings, that's the rod of a clep, uh, a clep, I think his name is Asclepius, who is the false god of Greek medicine. The caduceus is the symbol of Hermes or Mercury in Greek and Roman mythology. Um, it's a symbol identified with thieves, merchants, and messengers. And Mercury was said to be the patron of thieves and outlaws, not a desirable protector of physicians. So isn't it interesting? The symbol they're using is identified with thieves. And there goes Grace flying over my head and landing on the computer as I say that. Identified with thieves. That's what that symbol is identified with. And with these false gods of Hermes and Mercury and others. Why? John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. One of these items that this collection um, touted at Target at one point is we belong everywhere. That's what it says. We belong everywhere. Well, isn't that just what the demonic wants? To have their agendas influencing high places and identified everywhere. Um. It's a very um it's a very sobering statement because this is not what the founding fathers had in mind. They did not have in mind that the minority would be catered to, meaning that for the good of the nation standing and being raised up and for freedom of religion, this has to stay a Christian nation and this has to stay in order and we have to uphold the constitution otherwise we see happening here we see what happened in the Weimar Republic it runs in tandem proverbs 16:18 pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling pride goes before destruction what is this collection called the pride collection goes before it goes ahead of destruction before destruction comes pride comes before the weimar republic and their constitution fell to the third reich what went before it pride what came after it destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling within the month of march of this year some things happened now, I'm going to tell you the first thing that happened. On March 1st, news broke. Now, I'm going to show you. This, this is how it all connects right now. The United States, Weimar Republic, everything that's going on. A transgender video game developer launched a game where players can hunt down critics of transgenderism, 
including Catholic priests, and kill them in a bloody first-person, uh, you know, event. It's called, and the name of the game has a very weird game, but a very weird name, but the game is based on the classic Nazi fighting game, Wolfstein 3D. So they named it Turfstein 3D, but the game is based on the classic Nazi fighting game, Wolfstein 3D. Well, that's what rose after the fell of the Weimar Republic. This is all connected. It's one of the, well, let me just, let me just take a moment here. So I know where I want to go with this because it's, it's so involved that I'm kind of like making sure that we just methodically go through this um, and, and prophetically as you know, the Lord gives me utterance and going through this, we take a moment to talk about it, but this Wolfstein game involved the main character navigating Nazi bases and taking out the villainous occupants with a wide array of deadly weapons. So they're equating those that don't agree with them to Nazis. They're equating those that don't agree with them to Nazis. So all of this, because the anti-gun agenda and all of this comes out of these same groups. So why they're screaming anti-gun and more gun control, they're doing nothing but promoting violence through this. While they're screaming that, the Democrats aren't saying anything in D.C. about these violent video games, about this video game that came out. They're being mum on it. So while they're yelling about all sorts of control, they are promoting a ton of violence at the same time because they really don't want. They want you to think they are for they are against the very thing they are promoting. Let's put it that way. So this isn't an accident that this came out when it came out. This isn't an accident um, that it's connected to this 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 Wolfstein game involving na- uh, Nazis. Um, it's this is no accident. They are trying to use what propaganda to influence people in the direction they want them to go. That was one of the experiments. And Jonah said this to me yesterday, that one of the experiments that came out of Germany was that the media could be used as an enormous propaganda tool to influence people to even be okay with, 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 you know, with harming innocent children to make them okay with, with, you know, with, with, with total destruction of a group that, that was one of the experiments that came out of all of that was that realizing the media could be used as propaganda to influence people to come into agreement with horrible things. Now, towards the end of March, after this video game comes out the beginning of March, the kingdom of darkness will always announce or you will see a precursor to something coming out. So the kingdom of darkness will always put out a precursor before something happens many times. So you will see something come out first as a precursor, and then you will see an event. Towards the end of March, that horrific school shooting in Nashville happened. The name of the school was Covenant. The name of the school was Covenant. The Covenant is under attack. 
and there was a person that was in this particular movement we're talking about that went in uh, and killed these people. What are the odds of both of these video game and then this incident happening in the month of March, which is the month of Purim, which is the month that Haman wanted to destroy the people of God? What are the odds that both of these would come out in the month of March? One at the beginning and one at the end. Like I said, Weimar Republic. And I will tell you, when the demonic is welcomed into a nation in high places and the believer's authority, the authority of the third heaven is not utilized, they will advance their agenda. They will take advantage of that. They will go for it. That's why they want so bad to weaken the church. That's why they want to make the church come into compliance. That's why they want to make the people of God come into compliance with what they want, because it weakens the authority of the believer and it allows the kingdom of darkness to advance. They will kill, steal, and destroy if given the opportunity. They have come to steal, kill, and destroy. God is long-suffering. He is merciful. He loves these people that are incredibly deceived. He doesn't want to see them deceived, but everyone's got a free will and everyone's got a choice. And the Lord says to everybody, choose this day whom you will serve. This was Egypt 2.0, what happened. This was the revenge of that spirit that caused Pharaoh to develop a disdain for the people of God. This is the empire strikes back. That's what the Weimar Republic falling and the rise of the third Reich, that was the empire strikes back because Reich means empire in German. And so this was what was happening. Now the empire was striking back. The rulers of the darkness were striking back because of what happened and they couldn't complete their mission long ago in Egypt. So they have decided to come back full circle and try it again. Exodus chapter one, verses eight through 11. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them or shrewdly or else they will multiply. And in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh storage cities, Pythium and Ramses. So this is the same repeat of the same cycle manifesting in different ways in different parts of the world. Now, what also happened is the scapegoat aspect. So we're going to get into that now. The German defeat from World War I was very hard on many of the Germans to swallow. It was a hard pill to swallow. It was difficult for them to accept. Um, and Hitler, remember, is coming up the ranks as this is happening. Now, in this case with Germany, you were dealing with this radicalism coming from the right wing. What we're dealing with it in our nation is coming from the left wing. Okay, so that's that's different. That is the difference here. 
and Germany tried to this there's something that began to circulate within Germany as this is going on in the Weimar Republic as this German Jew is is leading this 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 this, this um roaring 20s cabaret lbgtq agenda and this is all going on they started to hold the Jews the social democrats and the communists responsible for them losing the war so they started to blame them for what happened to them not from their own bad decisions they started to look to blame groups for what happened to them which is known as the scapegoat method now scapegoats in the bible this is what scapegoats were just to give you an idea um it, you see it in leviticus and aaron then completed the ministries of his atonement work after which he laid both his hands on the head of a live goat and confessed over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins. And he put them on the head of the goat and sent it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. That's Leviticus 16.21. The man then let the goat go free in the wilderness, Leviticus 16.22. Once the scapegoat was sent to the wilderness, the sins of the people, quote, escaped. Through the atoning work done by use of him, the man who led the scapegoat to Azazel had to wash his clothes and bathe before he could come back into the camp. And many times that goat was killed. So this becomes the scapegoat method where they then try to completely blame and want to harm a group for their own shortcomings. So let's go on. A combination of political and economic dissatisfaction, some of it dating back to the founding of the Republic, helped create the conditions for Hitler's rise to power. By drawing together the fringe nationalist parties into the Nazi party, was a, Hitler was able to gain a sufficient number of seats in the Reichstag to make him a political player. Eventually, now this is interesting because we see this going on on the left side right now. But this is what it says. Eventually, conservatives hoping to control him and capitalize on his popularity brought him into government. Eventually, conservatives hoping to control him and capitalize on his popularity brought him into government. Wrong motive. Wrong motive. Oh, we're just going to bring him in because we think we can control him and capitalize off of him. This is why this whole thing backfired. However, um, Hitler used the weaknesses written into the Weimar Constitution, like Article 48, which allowed him to become a complete dictator for a period to subvert it and assume dictatorial power. Article 48 of the Weimar Constitution allowed the German president to declare a state of emergency in Germany in times of national danger and to rule as a dictator for short periods of time. Article 48, four plus eight equals 12, 12 biblically. There were 12 tribes of Israel and 12 is associated with government and rule. The Weimar Republic ended with Hitler's appointment as chancellor in 1933, which means the Nazi party had to have the biggest controlling percentage in the Reichstag after the election. So they had the most seats. They got to elect the chancellor. They elected Hitler as the chancellor. He then begins to go and blame certain groups. So this is what he does to try to get all the other Germans on his side because he knew 
how they felt because of World War I. He starts blaming Jews, traitors, communists um, on the reasons uh, the Weimar democracy failed. This is what he does. This was his tactic. He's going to blame these groups for the reason the Weimar democracy failed when really it failed because it had no firm foundation. It had no spiritual foundation. It had no moral boundaries. Everyone was doing whatever they wanted and there was no clear leadership. That's why it failed. So 14 million German Jews, not German Jews, but 14 million Germans, some of them Jews, voted for the Nazis in new parliamentary elections, making Hitler's party the largest in the Reichstag with 37% of the seats. Remember I told you they have the largest percentage of seats. They get to elect the chancellor. The number 14, 14 million Germans, the number 14, double sevens, Every seventh year is a Shemitah year. There was seven Shemitah year equal a Jubilee year, just to put it in there. Continuing political turmoil resulted in yet another Reichstag election. Barely four months later, the Nazis lost some seats, but the Communist Party gained seats, which drove a wide range of parties to back Hitler. So when they saw that the Communists had gained some seats, the other parties panicked and thought, Hitler was their solution to that. You see, this is this is why this this is such a um this is a grave lesson for the United States of America right now and what went on because they panicked because they saw the communists had gained some seats but they didn't realize the greater of two evils was Hitler at that point it wasn't necessarily the communists. And so they made an emotional decision and they went and they backed his party. Finally, on January 30th, 1933, President Hindenburg reluctantly agreed to choose Hitler as the new chancellor. Reluctantly agreed. Hitler promised to observe the Weimar Constitution. Now, this is a hallmark of those under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist and these rulers of the darkness, these Baals and these Ishtars. They promise to uphold the law. And once they have power, they try and destroy it and replace it with a highly oppressive, destructive dictatorship. So they promise to uphold what they truly want to destroy and form a broad coalition government to solve the economic crisis. So he promised to solve the economic crisis. So he came as the answer to that. The politicians advising Hindenburg told him they could control the upstart from Bavaria. Um, one political leader made a comment and said, in two months, we'll have pushed Hitler into a corner so hard he'll be squeaking. They gave all that power to him. And then they thought they were going to be able to control him. He did. He quickly outflanked the other politicians. He persuaded Hindenburg to call another election because you could call multiple elections with the Reichstag. Um, and it ended up going downhill from there. Now, at this election that was called, something happened. During the election, this particular one, Part of the Reichstag building, which is the parliamentary building, mysteriously burned down. 
Hitler blames the communists. This event, there was a fire. It was purposely started. This fire was purposely done by the Nazi faction so that Hitler could blame another party and gain more control of Germany. He issued a temporary decree suspending constitutional rights to crush the communists. So he used this to invoke Article 48 to become the dictator, claiming the communists set the fire. They needed to be crushed when it was really the Nazis who set the fire. Create a catastrophe and blame the party you want to destroy. January 6th was the Reichstag fire. January 6th was the Reichstag fire. In March of 1933, with close to 6 million Germans unemployed, the Nazi party won 44% of the Reichstag seats with the support of smaller parties. Now there was a majority commanded to form a new government. Hitler submitted something called an enabling act, calling for the Reichstag to transfer its lawmaking powers to him. The law also allowed Hitler to ignore any provisions of the Constitution. This law allowed him to dump the Constitution. The Constitution that was very similar to ours, this enabling act allowed him to dump it. The very Constitution he promised to uphold, the breaking of the agreement to uphold law and order, which is another hallmark of the spirit of Antichrist and of these high-ranking members of the of the uh, rulers of the darkness of this world, the Bales and the Ashtoreths. This happening foreshadowed the same tactic also that the man of sin, the Antichrist, in Daniel and Revelation that is spoken of, will use that is still to come. So this is the same tactic, same spirits, same tactic that we see in Daniel and Revelation that is still to come. It's the same tactic here because they are trying to dismantle the constitution that they swore to uphold to give themselves undue dictatorial power. It's the same thing. According to Daniel 9.27, uh, we're going to just go into this for a moment. The tribulation begins with the signing of a peace treaty between the Antichrist and Israel intended to be for one or seven, that is a set of seven years. But the seven is divided in halves. Midway through the seven years, the Antichrist breaks down the treaty um, or breaks the treaty and sets up the uh, sets up in the temple a sacrilegious object, also known as the abomination that causes desolation. The phrase in the middle indicates that the first half of the tribulation lasts three and a half years, 1,260 days. Likewise, the second half of the tribulation lasts another 1,260 days or another three and a half years for a total of seven years. So it's interesting because... This is the same tactic. Gain power, promise to uphold the law, tell you they're going to take care of the economic crisis, and then break everything you promised. It's the same tactic. The law to remedy the distress of the people and, and the Reich is known as the Enabling Act. That was passed on March 23rd, 1933, and proclaimed the next day it became the cornerstone of Adolf Hitler's dictatorship. The act allowed him to enact laws, including ones that violated the Weimar Constitution without approval of either Parliament or Reich President von Hindenburg. 
On March 23, 1923, the Reichstag met in a Berlin Opera House to vote on the Enabling Act. With the aisles packed with Nazi stormtroopers, the Reichstag voted to end democracy in Germany and make Hitler dictator of what he called the Third Reich or the Third Empire. This was, like I said, the empire strikes back. Now, the question of just how the Weimar Republic became the Third Reich is more relevant than ever. There are many parallels to U.S. politics, often where least expected. So we've got a lot of these parallels that we see happening right now, except we're dealing with it on the left. So we're dealing with it on the left radical side. They dealt with it on the way right radical side. Often uh, where we least expected conservative elites who thought they could use the Nazis to their own ends for German rearmament, for example, emerge as perhaps the clearest facilitators of Hitler's rise. But the left, with its tendency toward factionalism, is also implicated. Among the most tragic short-sighted decision in a book full of them is the German Communist Party's decision to identify the Social Democratic Party, not the Nazis, as their enemy. So the Communist Party made the mistake as identifying the Social Democratic Party as their enemy, the ones that wanted to have a democracy, the one that wanted democracy upheld, the one that wanted Germany to 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 have a democratic process. They identified them as the enemy and not the Nazis. And that's what the enemy will do. The enemy will blind you. He will short sight your vision and he will turn your vision on something else and and make you fo- hyper focus on that. So then he can raise up what he wants to raise up. Once a critical mass of the left had abandoned a commitment to democracy, the center could not hold against the far right. So in their cases, it was the left that was for democracy. And in the weight of all of this, they completely abandoned it. And the center could not hold against this crushing um, Nazi party that was moving like a tidal wave across Germany. So in our nation, we have the conservative side trying to uphold a republic and want a republic and want a fair democratic process. And we have the left radical side that is trying to bring this tidal wave to crush that. So in our case, it switched. The most striking revelation um, is one of the most striking revelations of this is how progressive the Weimar Republic was. Uh, This was a model democracy with a constitution that included proportional representation. Berlin was a diverse city, a capital of culture and leftist politics. So this is one of the most striking revelations that come out of the Weimar Republic as I've got two birds now on the, uh, on the post. I got two birds now on the perch as I'm teaching this here. I'll see if I can move Grace in so you can see her. I don't know if you could see her or not. Did she come in? Yeah, there's there's her tail. Okay. A doomed democracy under siege from all sides. So this is what this was. A doomed democracy that was brought under siege from all sides that had no spiritual defense, had no spiritual defense, had no moral boundaries, had no moral code. And the one thing that can be said in defense of the Weimar 
um, Germans is that they did not know how bad it could get. They were totally blind and ignorant to the fact of how bad this could all really get. Okay, let me just go down because Chet actually just put my page up. I'm not even kidding you. Okay, here it is. So while they were having their roaring 20s and were promoting their trans movements and were promoting all of this cabarets and were promoting all of this, while they were engaging in the sins of the flesh, the Nazi party was building its faction. While they were engaging in the things of the flesh and the fleeting desires, the Nazi party was building up its arsenal, building up its faction, building up its leaders. Very similar to today. The difference with the United States of America is that we have a covenant with Almighty God. God takes interest in what ultimately has to that, what happens to that covenant. We, many of us, operate in the believer's authority. There are more of us in this nation that are getting discontent and upset with what we see happening. And that is what it took in Germany that never happened. Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the Confessing Church only got 3,000 of 18,000 Protestant pastors to sign the document, the Confessing Church, to stand against this rising Nazi faction. Had 3,000 more churches and leaders signed it. Hitler would have never came to power. You see, they were more busy with the fleshly desires than they were confessing before God, making a plan and standing in the courage of their convictions. Dietrich Bonhoeffer himself said the church is the conscience of the state. The conscience left. The conscience left the Weimar Republic. There really wasn't a conscience. It was seared. And when there's no conscience, the mind goes to a very dark place. When there's no conscience, the nation goes to a very dark place. It's no different here. Back in 2011, former German Chancellor Gerard Schroeder made a remarkable statement. He said, the current economic crisis makes it relentlessly clear that we cannot have a common currency zone without a common fiscal, economic, and social policy. We will have to give up national sovereignty. So now we're fast forwarding to 2011 in Germany. And here we go again. Up, we have to give up national sovereignty. We cannot have a common current currency zone with a common fiscal, economic, and social policy for the, for the European Union. We all have to give up our national sovereignty. That is the goal of globalists and those under the spirit of Antichrist. Those that serve the bales and the asterisks give up national sovereignty, herd the people like cattle to give up their sovereignty and be joined to other nations to make a zone. You think zoning for homes in this nation and areas in states is something harmless? You think zoning is something that they just thought up? They have been slowly trying to zone us for years, inching us towards their world order. This is now beginning to happen. Nations in Europe are today giving up their sovereignty to make the European Union work. So once again, it's coming full circle. The same cycle, 
the same spirits. The British left the EU in 2016 because some didn't like that fact about giving up national sovereignty. But when all give up their sovereignty, someone is in charge. And you may not like that someone. And once your sovereignty is gone, your say in trying to get that someone out becomes incredibly minuscule. Who will that someone be then? If they all give up national sovereignty, if the United States were to give up national sovereignty, September 9th, 2021, the Center for Global Development. Germany is the world's second largest development donor after the U.S. and the European Union's largest aid provider. And yet its financial heft is not commensurate with its positioning on development in the EU. For the second time, Germany reached the aid target of 0.7% of gross national income in 2020, making significant contributions to the global pandemic response, including through EU, COVAX, and the WHO. With a new government taking over the helm of the country and building on its financial firepower, Germany now has the opportunity to fully embrace a leadership role in the EU, to fully embrace a leadership role in the EU, giving up national sovereignty. Someone's got to lead. Looks like who wants to lead again? It's Germany as an agenda setter in development, driving forward innovative ideas rather than as a mere broker. So what they're saying is Germany has the ability to lead the EU and completely influence and drive it the way it wants it to go. Now, Revelation chapter 17, John described a span of centuries from the Middle Ages to our time, during which successive empires rose and fell. Here is how it reads. Here is the mind which he has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. That's Revelation 17, 9 through 10. John was saying there were to be seven leaders over seven successive kingdoms. Who were those leaders? Well, this person, this individual, seems to have the opinion you had Justinian, um, who, would, uh, who united the eastern and western sections of the Roman Empire in 56, uh, 50. Uh, 556 AD, Charlemagne, who was crowned in 800 AD, Otto the Great, crowned as Holy Roman Emperor in 962 AD, Charles V in 1530 AD, Napoleon, whose empire began in 1804, and the German-Italian alliance, which led to the Hitler-Mussolini axis of powers of World War II. So these are of the opinion that these are the first six of seven kings. The final king will reign over 10 other kings. The final king will reign over 10 other kings just before Jesus Christ returns and will attempt to fight against the son of God. The 10 horns, which you saw are 10 kings who have received no kingdoms as of yet, but they receive authority for one hour as king with the beast. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority which means they will give up their sovereignty to the beast. That's Revelation 17, 12 through 13. You might ask, what's wrong with Germany taking a more dominant role on the European continent? After all, isn't Germany one of America's closest allies? They are friends of America for now. For now. 
Um, but it's good thing to just kind of stop and think about the fact that just short of 70 years ago, Britain, France, America, Canada, and a whole host of other nations were locked in a bitter life and death struggle with Germany and Italy. The Bible says that has a propensity to happen again. Germany and Italy, this upcoming election cycle, watch them closely. This upcoming election cycle in this nation, watch them closely and what happens because I'm telling you, they have been building up their alliance and their arms and their influence and everyone's yelling about the BRICS nations and everyone's yelling about Iran and everyone's yelling about China. And here's Germany building themselves up to have complete influence over the European Union. That is their goal. That looks to be their goal. But we see the same thing happening in the United States of America. And this is why we have to be aware of this and pray. We have to be aware of this and pray and seek the Lord because we as the people of God have the ability to affect change and deal with what's going on in the spirit, which then will affect it in the natural. And this is why we have to see these things and see the agenda of the kingdom of darkness and see the attack from heaven's perspective, see the attack from God's perspective. So we know how to deal with it because this is a repeating cycle that has happened before. This is the Weimar Republic all over again, except we are at a fork in a road and we can choose whom we serve. God says, choose this day whom you will serve. We can make that choice and we don't have to get it wrong. And we don't have to fall to the rise of a fourth Reich. We don't have to do that. We can choose to stand with the covenant God has given us to come before God and for this nation to be spared because truly this is the precipice right here. We are at the precipice of it. The Weimar Republic was at the precipice once these these movements of alternative lifestyles took over that whole area and the Weimar Constitution gave all the freedoms in the world for anybody to do whatever they wanted. So we have to understand that this is a repeating cycle. Things are coming full circle and we don't have to give way to a Reich. We don't in this nation. We have a choice and we really have to heavily consider that in this hour leading into 2024. So that's where I'm going to end part one. Oh, part two. We're going to do part two next. So part two will be coming up. We will announce when we are going to do part two as well, but this is a two-part series. There may even be a part three if the Lord gives more revelation on it, but this is where I think we're going to stop for today. We're an hour and 18 minutes already, and we will definitely announce for part two of this. So uh, also I wanted to announce also that May 31st, I'm going to be at Faith Assembly of God in Poughkeepsie, New York speaking. It is a Wednesday night. I'm looking very forward to this. This church is a part of my testimony. I was there 20 years ago. The Lord has brought me back. I'm very excited about it. Uh, also, I wanted to talk about quickly, because we have to talk about this, the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. And this is going to be very fast, but we have to talk about this at the end of this. Now, more horses died leading up to this particular Kentucky Derby than any other, I think, in history. 
Seven horses died at Churchill Downs leading up to the Derby. That is unheard of. It was the 149th Derby, which equals 14, which equals double sevens. Madge was the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Now, it's interesting because Madge's sire was good magic. I find that a little interesting. What's also interesting is M-A-G is the first three letters of this horse, and M-A-G is the first three letters of Make America Great. So I just found that to be something interesting also. There was a horse that was running in the Derby that I was keeping my eye on, not for the Derby, but for the other races. And sure enough, when it got to the Preakness, National Treasure, I had mentioned this horse as one of the horses when I had talked about this before the Derby even happened, who was sired by Quality Road. National Treasure loses the first race. This is the important part of this whole, uh, what happened here. National Treasure loses the first race, but wins the second race, followed by Blazing Sevens. How many horses died leading up to the Kentucky Derby? Seven. Blazing Sevens came in second in this race. Madge or Mage came in third in this particular race. The Belmont is going to tell the tale. So I just wanted to point that out just to, to Belmont, I think is really going to tell the tale here. The Belmont is coming up. It is in Long Island, but the fact that national treasure won the second race, I find fascinating. So I just wanted to say that at the end here before we end for tonight. So thank you everyone for joining us tonight. And uh, I've got, I've got a uh, grace here on my Bible right now. And I've got Chet who is uh, having his, uh, having his meal. Here's grace. Hold on. Let me see if I can. There she is. You see her? There's grace. And she's on my Bible. And uh, that's how I think we're, that's a perfect way to end. Hey, grace, the dove represents the Holy spirit is resting on my Bible. Huh, honey. God bless everyone. Keep the faith. Armor up according to Ephesians chapter six, Psalm 91, every single day. That is like your contract. You should be saying that every single day right now. I do it and I encourage you to do it and be in the word right now. Really be in the word because we have an ability from God's perspective. We have that gift of God giving us his perspective to be able to deal with with issues when they come along to be able to dismantle the works of darkness and iniquity. So I just wanted to encourage everyone of that as we're signing off tonight and we love you and we'll be back on soon with part two. Have a wonderful evening. And I have to tell you something, they work. It is an alternative to big pharma based on quantum physics, over 40 scripture verses written into these patches for everything from blood sugar, anxiety, pain, neuropathy, to immune system boost, dog pain. They are very sincere about um, having alternatives to big pharma. We are a big advocate of natural solutions to help with pain and, and, and blood sugar and a host of other issues. I yeah. tried the pain patches and, yeah. and they worked when I used them. When you connect it to your body, the skin patch changes changes your brainwaves. Sugar, this one is neuropathy. I actually have it on. And we use this on Toby, actually, because Toby's about eight years old. 
and from being paralyzed years ago and the Lord miraculously healing him, he has a little leftover with his joints and his hips. So we actually give him the doggy pain patches. What was he doing? He was running? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I walked him out and wow, he's boom. <laughs> and he got power. I said, no way. And I don't know. I said, Amanda, what? What did you do to him? To <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. If you are looking for an excellent doctor, if you are looking to get healthier, if you are looking to understand why the things in your body operate the way they do go to sherwood.tv forward slash amanda grace doctors mark and michelle sherwood of the functional medical institute in tulsa oklahoma are there to help you with all of your medical needs in fact i am a patient of the functional medical institute and god bless dr sherwood because chris was a tough nut to crack on this but after over a year and a half chris is finally on board he is a patient of dr sherwood's and him listening and and implementing what dr sherwood has taught him has made a difference in his life so if you are interested and curious as to what they do if you'd like to make an appointment if you'd like to see what products they have because they have some amazing products go to sherwood.tv forward slash amanda grace thank you you want to support an amazing patriot that's doing so much for our country and be a blessing you can go to mypillow.com and use promo code arc ARK to save up to 66% or sometimes more off of all my pillow products. They are so much more than just pillows. They have amazing bathrobes, they have sheets, they have slippers, they of course have pillows, and they even have dog beds. And I will tell you a fun fact, Noble Arcade at the Animal Sanctuary that many of you know and love has indeed slept on a MyPillow dog bed. So if you'd like to be a blessing, go to MyPillow.com and use promo code ARK. God bless everyone. If you are looking for advice on financial matters, if you think gold and silver is something that you should invest in, go to bh-pm.com today. Andrew Sorcini of Beverly Hills Precious Metals, who's been on Ark of Grace many times, he loves to answer our viewer questions. In fact, he's answered all sorts of questions about gold, silver, the markets, even the real estate market he's been kind enough to answer questions about. So if you would like more information, if this is something you would like to invest in, please go to bh-pm.com today. That is bh-pm.com. Hello, everyone. It's Amanda Grace. I'm here to talk to you today about this incredible product that I use every day called Power Team. It is 130 raw superfoods. And I have to tell you, it is one of the most amazing products I have ever used. I take it every day. It helps me with energy. It helps feed my cells at the cellular level. It helps me with clarity and focus. It helps with so many things and functions in your body, including your gut as well. So if you would like to learn more about this product, if you would like to learn the 130 raw superfoods that are in this product, please go to the link below or you could go to arcofgrace-ministries.com and go to our shop section and you will find Power Team there as well. Thank you, everyone.
If you would like to grow your own food with what we see going on right now in the world, with not only food supplies, but what they are doing to our food, you can go to amandagracegrows.com. These are amazing hydroponic growers. In fact, we have one in our parrot room, and this is an indoor one we have where you can grow food all year round, actually. Vegetables all year round. And we are doing that, actually, for our birds and our animals at our sanctuary they also have outdoor ones they actually yield 30 percent more and grow the vegetables three times faster so if you would like to learn more go to amandagracegrows.com god bless hello everyone it's amanda grace i'm here to talk to you today about reawaken america i have had the honoring and humbling privilege of being able to be part of Reawaken America since the first one was had at Rima Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma in April of 2021. I have watched so many moments happen for the glory of God at Reawaken America. We have seen people healed, delivered, set free. We love to pray for people at Reawaken America. We have had the honor of praying alongside some amazing people uh, Marty Grisham from Loudmouth Prayer, Pastor Todd Coconato, who also deals in deliverance. And we have seen people's lives changed. We have seen them set free. We have seen people who are come seeking. And the Lord says, when you seek, you shall find. And you knock, the door shall be opened unto you. They have been seeking, and those seeds get planted for the glory of God at Reawaken America. The Word of God says it is the knowledge of the truth that shall set you free and this is what we are doing at reawaken america you get biblical truth you get a foundation of the word of god and you also get necessary information right now to help you understand what is going on in america and the world and i am humbled and honored that general flynn and clay clark would even let me be a part of this and People need the word of the Lord in this hour. That is what they need. They need those who are willing to boldly stand up and with the conviction and the authority from God, speak the word of the Lord into their lives. It is a catalyst. It is life changing. And, and we praise the Lord that we have continued in this. And we hope to see you at upcoming events that are happening this year. We hope we get to pray over you at these upcoming events.